peace. Peace. We all want peace, don't we? When we think about peace, usually what we mean is that inner calm, that rest, that absence of turmoil. Experiential peace. Experimental peace. Subjective peace. A lot of different ways to describe it. But we often seek it in the wrong places, don't we? We seek it in the things of this life, in people, in circumstances, in possessions, in status, all things that change. We are really good at seeking peace in the wrong places. Maybe when I mentioned the word peace, though, you thought of absence of war. World peace. Even silly bumper stickers that say things like visualize world peace. Or the one that mocks it, visualize world peace. On August the 4th, 1945, President Harry S. Truman announced that the Japanese had surrendered, meaning World War II was over. And celebration erupted throughout the country, throughout the world. Hugging, dancing, kissing, shouting, Americans experienced a subjective feeling of joy because of an objective reality, the war was over see this illustrates a fact that I want to emphasize today that true and lasting emotional peace can only be sustained by true and lasting objective peace outside of us it has to be found in God in a place that never changes we must have an objective real basis for lasting peace and it must be a lasting basis outside of ourselves and our circumstances if we're going to walk in abiding peace. You know, telling somebody that's in turmoil to have peace, to don't worry, to don't be in turmoil, budding counselors, that doesn't help very much. Sin's causing you misery? Oh, well, don't sin. Stop it. That's very helpful, right? Be at peace. It's kind of like pursue happiness. It, it, if you just pursue happiness for happiness sake, and you'll never catch it. Unless you pursue it in the right place. Well, peace too must be found in an unchanging place, which is in an unchanging God, in an unchanging reality. So I have a, an objective reality for you today that will be sufficient to sustain your subjective peace the better you rest in this objective reality. See, if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, the war is over. What war? The war with God. Peace is won. The war with God has been satisfied. The Prince of Peace, Jesus, has come and He has vanquished the enemy that caused the world, which is our, the war, which is our sin. And by His life, death, burial, and resurrection, He has accomplished peace for us. Objective peace. Peace with God that is the basis of our walking in a subjective peace or what we call a feeling of peace or absence of turmoil. Now that won't be perfect in this life until we're glorified. But we, as we grow in God's grace and in the gospel, we grow in walking in peace even in the midst of hard things. And the hard things are what tests us. 
How much am I resting in the gospel? Well, how much do I fly off the handle when life gets hard? How, much of, how easily is my peace stolen? The war is won. You can rest because Jesus is your peace. If you are trusting in Him. There is a condition. See, in this series, we're running up to Christmas. And, and we've done a lot of different things over the years. And this year, as I was reading about the tradition of Advent and saw the topics that are those four weeks running up to uh, the celebration of Christ's birth at Christmas, I thought that would be a fairly good season to run up to Christmas with. So we talked about hope last week. And I'll point you back to that sermon uh, that will overlap a little with this one. So if you haven't heard it, I hope you'll listen to it. And then this week, peace. Next week, joy, then ending with love, Corey preaching right before Christmas. But today, peace from Romans 5.1. Really simple. I'm really only going to focus on one verse. I tried to read it in context. I'll urge you again to read and know the book of Romans. If you read and are well familiar with the book of Romans, you will be well familiar with the message of the Bible. Know the book of Romans. But the main point from Romans 5.1 today is believe in the gospel. What do I mean? Trust in Jesus and rest in the peace that is yours in Christ. Believe the gospel and rest in the peace that is yours in Christ. Trust Christ and Christ alone and rest in the peace that is yours in Christ. And the first thing I want us to talk about is the condition of our peace or justification. Let me read verse 1 for you again. It's, it's stating a fact and an objective reality that flows out of that fact. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have current, present tense possession, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, many of us, before we came to faith in Christ, we really didn't put it in that context. We really didn't think we were at war with God. But we really were. Because it says Christ died for his enemies. We read that in the text. There's enmity, there's war, there's a resistance and a rebellion against God. In religious clothes or non-religious clothes, we were born at war with God. And we couldn't fix it. We couldn't satisfy justice. We had all broken God's commandments. We deserve his condemnation. And yet we were his enemies and he sent his son. He sent His Son to die for our sins. And I want us to review something this morning that I constantly pester you about. And I will never stop. You need to understand your salvation and you need to understand what is meant by words like justification, sanctification, glorification. Because they're Bible words. And we have one, you heard it repeated in this text, but look at this. Since we have been justified by faith. Literally through faith. This is the condition of our peace. Justification. Since we have been. When we have been something. It's been done. It's a completed thing in the past. With results in the present. Since we have been justified. Well let me ask you. What does it mean to be justified? How many people want to stand up and quote. Westminster Confession 33. The answer to that, I'm not a, just rhetorical. 
But I want to give that to you this morning. I have a slide. And this is gospel riches. And this should thrill your soul. And this should something you should be concerned enough about to know it well and have it down pat. Because listen, th- watch this. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. We know that we have peace with God because we know we're justified. If we don't know what justification is, we're not going to walk in peace because we're not going to be focused on the objective reality of peace that we have with God, that we've been reconciled to Him through His Son. So I want to review that this morning. The condition of our peace is justification. What is justification? That's the question that is asked in number 33. Now watch this. And we're going to break this down. And this is going to be beneficial for you. And you believe me. Justification is an act of God's free grace, praise God, where He pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. These days, we're not much in the habit of memorizing things, are we? We don't even know our friends' phone numbers these days. We we have them in our contacts. I mean, not too long ago, I had, I won't tell you who this is, but I had a husband call me and ask me for his wife's phone number. Because he lost his phone. But we need to memorize the Scripture and flowing out of Scripture, truths like this, what justification is. So we're going to break that down. First of all, it says, number one, justification is a free gift. That's what that means. Free grace, free gift. Kids, when you get a Christmas present, or adults even, if this Christmas, when somebody hands you a present, do you start whipping out cash? Well, you go to the store and do that. That's not a present, right? But you receive it. You just take it. It's a free gift to you. They, they paid for it. And it's a free gift to you. It's an expression of love to you. Justification is a free gift from God to us which we receive in Christ when we receive Christ. Lots of stuff happens in the process of our salvation. But to be justified is something we must understand. It's justification by faith alone in Christ alone. But it's a free gift. God makes us right with Himself as a free gift to us. Look at this. Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Stop. All of us has failed to glorify God. None of us has, has lived out and glorified God the way we should. None of us have kept His commandments in thought, word, and deed. We haven't. And if you've been part of our study in the Ten Commandments, you know that on a, very, on a deeper level than you did before that study. We've all fallen short. Jew and Gentile. That's all to Paul. Right? We saw that in his run-up in one chapters 1, 2, 3. That's the whole world. That's everybody. And some of you people, that, might sound, that doesn't sound very good, does it? Some of you nice folks in here today, I don't know, but I know this about you. Why? Because the one who knows everything told us that we've all fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? None of us can save ourselves. None of us can clean it up. None of us can make ourselves right with God. None of us can fix it. We deserve rejection and condemnation. But look what God did. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace if they earn it. By His grace as a gift 
Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What is redemption? Somebody else paid the price. It was Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, our Savior. A people given to the Son by the Father. The Son comes to satisfy justice for them by living perfect fulfillment of all commandments for them so that He can give that status to them and dying to pay their sin. Jesus paid the price to redeem us. It's a free gift. I don't know what theological tradition you come out of, but it's not you do your best and God will do the rest. You don't have a best. You clean up nice and nice people and all of that. But the Bible says all of our righteousness, all of our attempts at righteousness are filthy rags because they're not perfect in thought, word, and deed before God. We've all fallen short of God's glory, but He gives us reconciliation, justification. We're made right with God as a free gift. So the first part of that justification is an act of God's free grace. should help you relax. When you're relieved about something you were worried about, a lot of times you get to breathe again, right? You can breathe. It's all of God's free gift. You'll either have it as a free gift or you won't. Justification is a gift of His grace. Secondly, in which He pardons all our sin. There's no such thing as a saved person who is forgiven for most of their sin. Or half of their sin or a quarter of their sin and they have to make up for the rest if you are justified if you are reconciled if you are redeemed if you are what we call saved if you're in Christ all of your sin is dealt with you've been pardoned which means you've been forgiven There's, what does that mean? that God doesn't know that you sinned? He doesn't hold it against you because He held it against His Son Christ paid the price he redeemed us, brought us to Himself freely. Look at this in Romans 4, 7-8. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. You could say all of their transgressions are forgiven. Whose sins, all of them are covered. Blessed is the one, now here, here it is. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Men, women, boys, and girls who by God's grace trust in Jesus have all of their sins washed away. That's a picture we talk about. Being washed in the blood. That sounds weird if you're not a Christian and somebody says, are you washed in the blood? You probably say, no, and I hope I never am. But it, all that means is, has Christ's sacrifice been applied to you? Has he, did He die for you? And if He did die for you, you are forgiven and cleansed and pardoned for all of your sins. If you're trusting in Christ, these things are true of you. Your transgressions are forgiven. Your sins have been not just covered, Old Testament sacrifice, right? They've been washed away, dealt with. The one who the sacrifice is pointed to has come. And blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. If you're trusting in Christ, the Lord will never count your sin against you. Any of it. Yes, that includes what you see as the biggest one and the smallest one and the one you don't know about and everything in between. 
It's a free grace from God to pardon all our sins in Christ. Number three, God accepts us as righteous. This means He accepts, he accepts us as though we had perfectly kept all of His commandments. Thought, word, and deed. If you're trusting in Christ, your record before God, before His judgment bar, is Christ's record. Of perfect fulfillment of the law in thought, word, and deed. He accepts us as righteous. No sin. All righteousness. Because you are good, no. Because Christ was good. See, we're, one thing, we're studying through the commandments right now and we're, we're coming to grasp on a deeper level just how much we have broken His commandments. I mean, have you always had the true and living God as the only God in your life? Have you always worshipped Him exactly the way He asked you to worship Him? You've never blasphemed His name in your words or with your life. You've always kept the Sabbath day, kept it holy. You've always honored your father and mother. Kids, we can stop there, right? You've never murdered. And you say, well, no, I've never murdered. Have you ever been angry without cause or unrighteous anger? Jesus said, that's murder in the heart. Adultery, theft, lying. I mean, lying seems like all of us would admit we've not always told the full truth and never told a lie. See, we've fallen. We've broken His law. Our record before God outside of Christ is sinful. Therefore, justly condemned and rejected. But in Christ, because when you come to faith in Christ, you, not only are you cleansed from all your sin, but his, his record is now your record. Your sin is obliterated, washed away. His record is yours, and it is credited to your account so that God then can accept us as righteous. Why? Why does God accept us as righteous? It said this, God accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us or credited to us or credited to our account. His righteousness given to us so that we might be in right standing, redeemed, reconciled, and in right standing before God. Second Corinthians, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It always has been. For our sake, He made Him who, to be sin who knew no sin. Christ took on the guilt of our sin. He didn't become inherently sinful. But he, in, our representative, in representing us, He took our guilt and paid that penalty. But it says, For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. That doesn't mean the righteousness by which God is righteous, but the righteousness God required and the righteousness which has been fulfilled and given in Christ. It's Christ's perfect righteousness given to you. Credited to your account when you trust in Jesus. He was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Think about that for a minute. If you're trusting in Jesus... How many of your sins were future when He died for them? How many of them did He cover and wash away? The ones today. The ones tomorrow. The ones in the future. All of your sin 
was dealt with in Christ. And if you trust in Him, you can know that all of your sins are washed away. That should comfort us. Right? You know, some bad forms of theology would have you believe that up until you're baptized, right? When you're baptized, it takes away original sin and all of your sins are washed away and now you better, boy, you better behave. God works in us to make us more and more like His Son as we grow in grace. Yes, it's effort on our part, but we're growing in grace. But if we're trusting in Christ, Christ dealt with all of our sin. He, he obliterated it on the cross. It was placed on Him and He... And His righteousness was credited to us. So how do we get this? How, how can we be... Justified as a free gift, which means we're pardoned for all of our sin and accepted as righteousness. The last point, it said, it is received by faith alone in that definition. It's received by faith alone. What does that mean? None of me, all of him. I'm simply receiving the gift. It's not, in, you know, it's not faith plus works equals justification. It's justification by faith alone. And certainly it will evidence itself in growing good works in the life. But it's, we receive Christ by faith alone. We don't have to earn Him. That sounds silly to even say, doesn't it? Look at this from Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The entire, that, that right, the construction there means that the, the entirety of this grace by faith salvation is God's gift to you in His Son. You want to know why you came to faith in Christ? Because He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He called you out of the grave. You were dead, Ephesians 2, 1, in trespasses and sins. And in God's providence, in some form and way, He brought the gospel into your life. And the Spirit was at work through that gospel to, Lazarus, come forth. Jeff, come forth. Bring us out of the grave. And the evidence of that new life is turning and trusting in Jesus. God didn't wait to see if you were going to believe. And Oh, yep, they did. I better give them some. He was at work in us to bring us to faith. He's at work in us to nurture that faith. And He will, true faith, He will nurture all the way to the end. But see that verse. Base your hope in God's Word. Believe Not what you feel, not what your friends say, not whatever you were taught in the past. By grace you're saved through faith. And it's not what you do. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of your works. You have no boasting in it. It's simply a free gift. How about Romans 4, 4 and 5? Watch this. Please go read Romans. I don't have time to thoroughly go through this. Now to the one who works, it's just stating a fact, right? Free salvation. The one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. You work 40 hours a week. You go in your boss's office, and this is not how it mostly happens nowadays. Your boss gives you your paycheck. You don't say, oh, thank you for this gracious gift. No, it's what he owes you because you worked in agreement to what you had agreed to. It says that it, wages are not a gift, but they're what's due. But look, and to the one who does not work, but believes in Him or trusts in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, like Abraham's in Genesis 15 and on. Didn't work for it. Trusted in Jesus. 
All that's a work of God's grace. Connecting you, unifying, bringing you into union with Christ. So that your sin is washed away, you're clothed in His righteousness. And therefore, that's how God sees you. But notice, Christ died for the ungodly and God justifies the ungodly. He don't wait till you clean it up. He justifies the ungodly who has faith in His Son. Some of us might be waiting to sort of clean things up. That's just excuses we use. Just be convicted of your sin and turn from it to Christ. You can't clean it up. God justifies the one who does not count on his own works, but trusts in his son. So what it means to be justified, now listen to me. What it means to be justified is to be declared righteous by God. In other words, in his courtroom, if you're trusting in Christ, you've passed the judgment. Because he looks on you in his son, hidden in Christ. We like to use that language. It's good language. And he sees, he looks at you, he sees his son, he sees his son righteousness. Your sin is gone. And he says, righteous. My child adopts us into his family. Begins to grow us in grace. See, we were his enemies. We were at war with him. Love the scriptural language, but God. That's in Ephesians 2. Go read it in other places. God saved us. He raised us with Christ. He granted us faith that we might turn and trust in Jesus. Big mystery. A lot of stuff talking about there. Just trust God with your salvation and trust Him to always do right. But He gives us the knowledge of His sovereignty, not that, so that we will beat other people up with it or do a lot of unnecessary stressing over it, but that we'll just have confidence in Him and His salvation. Romans 5, 8 to 11. I read it earlier. I'll read it again. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were sinners. Christ died for us. That's the fix. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood or by His sacrifice, by His death, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. See, that was our problem. That's what needed to be dealt with. We were under condemnation. We deserved the wrath of God because we had rebelled against God by not keeping His commandments, not loving Him, not wanting Him to rule our lives. For if while we were His enemies, His enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Notice what reconciles us. We're reconciled by the death, not by what you do, but by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Back to verse 1. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified on the basis of Jesus. See, another came and lived the, the joyfully, lovingly obedient life that we didn't live. Died a horrible death in our place, taking the wrath of God that we deserve, taking the hell that we deserve. And because he was God and man, he could do that on the cross and say, it is finished. It is paid in full. Buried for a time, raised from the grave, proving it's all true, reigning and coming again someday. See, this, this is that baby that we celebrate in that manger. He, he's not a baby anymore. And even when he was a baby, he was Lord of the universe. 
And he came to save his people and he accomplished their salvation. And the more and more you rest in that and, and own the peace that is yours with God, the more you will walk in an experiential peace even when life gets hard. So we are justified because another was condemned. We are reconciled by his death. We are justified by his blood. You've seen that. So the condition of our peace is being justified, being declared righteous by God on the basis of his son through our trusting in him, which even that is a, is a gift of God. So since, Paul says in verse 1, we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing, the condition of our peace is justification. We must be justified if we're going to have peace. And that peace must be earned by another. We can't earn it. So second point, the mediator of our peace, Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That little, we have peace right there. There's a present active indicative there, which means, not trying to throw big words at you, it's a continual peace. It's an abiding situation. It's not here one day and gone the next. By God giving us faith, even a weak faith in Christ, to trust in Him, we're justified, and therefore we're at peace with God, and that peace never ends. It's an objective peace. Remember, the war is over. The war is won. Christ won it. We get that news. But it never comes and goes. It is established. And if we will have that peace, it will be through Jesus. Because that's what the verse says. We have peace with God through whatever Savior you want to trust in. Pick one. All that matters is that you're sincere. Great Greek word for that. Hogwash. Sorry. The culture doesn't like narrowness, but God is pretty narrow. He sacrificed his son. And on the basis of that, he commands all men and women, boys and girls everywhere to repent. And then he works. He grants what he commands. He works in us for his salvation. But we have to, in order to have peace, we have to own the fact that there's one Savior and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the one in whom we're trusting. Jesus himself said this. I'm not making this up. And it would be wrong for him not to say this. If he's the only one who can deal with our sin and if he has dealt with it, it would be wrong for him to point us anywhere else. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone. This is predicted in the Old Testament. The stone that was rejected by you, the builders, has become the cornerstone. And watch this. And Peter's explaining the healing that had taken place and he's preaching the gospel to him. And there is salvation in no one else. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Other than Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through. Not ever what way we think is right. Or whatever way the culture thinks right. Or by any way we just pick one. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved in Christ there is one location of deliverance and it's in Jesus think about the Old Testament and the flood which really happened that's why there are seashells in the North Pole and all of this other stuff anyway think about the flood what was the flood it was God's judgment right it was God's judgment because every thought of man was only evil continually it was God's judgment because the earth was filled with violence everybody it was full of his enemies, right? But there was a way of salvation. 
And it, and, it, and it wasn't, notice, it wasn't a choice. You know, you can get in this ark or you can build another little boat of your own or you can just swim. You'll make it. Come on, get floaties. <laughs> to be delivered in that time of judgment, you had to be in that ark. And those who were in that ark, were, they were above the storm. They were in the ark. Sure, it was rough and they had a lot, you know. But they were delivered because they were in the ark. They were in the place of safety. Picturing our being in the place of safety and deliverance from judgment, our ark, fulfillment of the ark picture, Jesus. Hidden in Him, safe from judgment in Christ. See, there's a never changing objective foundation for your peace. It's our peace with God in Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He was raised the third day. And eternal life is had by trusting in Him and Him alone. It's through faith. The war is over. Just believe it. And live in the light of that reality. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our, Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. In 5.1, this is not a feeling of peace. This is talking about the peace that is made by Christ, reconciliation, that is, this is an objective peace with God. Just like uh, Truman's announcement of the end of the war and signing of, the, uh, of all the documents and everything. It was an objective end of the war, but then believing that, people began to experience joy and celebrate. And that's what I'm saying to you. This peace in Romans 5.1 is an objective peace with God. But as we look to it and really believe, we really believe that salvation is a free gift and that in Christ all of my sin is dealt with. Better than that, I am clothed in His righteousness. I am a child of God. Now that is a place to stand, to walk in peace, even in the midst of the storm. See, the disciples got scared when they were in the boat with Jesus and the storm was raging because they didn't know who He was. I mean, they even said so after he calmed the storm. What kind of dude is this? Paraphrase. That even the wind and the sea obey him. Jesus was asleep. He knew who he was. He knew who his father was. He, and he asked him, where's your faith? Right? That is another picture. The more we look to him and trust in him and know what this life's all about. And nothing's going wrong just because my life is full of trials. But He's with me in them. And I have hope beyond this life. I have knowledge that my sin is forgiven and I'm clothed in His righteousness. See, owning that objective reality is the way that we walk in that peace that we want. If we don't root our hope for peace in our circumstances or our neighbors or our family. I mean, all of us have crazy family, right? It's not just you. It's not just you. As long as we don't root our our ground for peace on this earth somewhere that is constantly shifting and changing, if our hope is in Him, and we know He doesn't change, and He won't give up, and He won't change His mind, that we have peace with Him through Jesus, then we can walk through the trials in peace. The better I believe the objective truth of the Gospel, the more I can walk through trouble in peace. Peace, in some sense, comes from knowledge then, right? A knowledge of God and of His grace to us in Jesus. Illustrated by my wife and her fear of bridges. She doesn't like any bridges, right? But some she has more peace going over than others. And there's this one particular bridge in Greenville, South Carolina. There's an old wooden bridge. And previously, 
she had gone over this bridge and it clacks. You're in a car and it's, it's clacking and it looks, it looks like it would fall, right? It's kind of scary. And uh, so it, it didn't give her much comfort going over that bridge. And then later she's going around with our realtor looking at houses and they're talking and they turn the corner. There's that bridge. And they're like, ah, there's the bridge. She doesn't have much confidence going over that bridge. But every day she goes over the Emerald Isle Bridge and mostly enjoying the scenery and at peace. Why? Because she knows that bridge is not going to fall to the best we can know as humans, right? So she has more peace going over that bridge because she has confidence that it will hold her. Even when people are doing crazy things on the road as you go. See, confidence comes from knowing God and knowing His grace and rooting my hope there. Resting in the forgiveness that is mine in Christ and the hope that I have not only for this life but the life to come. Knowing that I'm justified, I'm accepted, I'm reconciled. I can walk at peace and to the extent that I believe to the extent that I trust, I will have peace. The trials test us. Romans 15, 13 says this. this. I've used this as a benediction. Maybe even did it again today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace automatically so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Y'all reading with me? You better read with me. May God fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There's a means to you walking with joy and peace and it is believing in Christ. It is trusting in Him. The Net Bible puts it this way. As you believe in Him. Or the NIV. As you trust in Him. To the extent that you trust in Him, you will be filled with all joy and peace in believing. To the extent that His Word of grace is in you and the Spirit is using that to strengthen you, you will walk in peace. Notice it comes through means. May you be filled with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. So joy and peace, our experience of it, flow out of trusting in Him, the Gospel, out of believing in Jesus. I mean, think about this. Over and over in the New Testament, the, 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 the Bible says this to you. And we skip right over it because we get familiar with it, right? Grace and peace to you. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus you have grace. And therefore peace with God so that you can walk in peace. The the wish of the apostles, the wish of God is in his word. Is that we might walk in confidence in his grace. And therefore at peace. No grace without Jesus, the prince of peace. And without grace we have no shot at real peace. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, 2, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So the more we know Him, the more we are confident in Him. And the more we are confident in Him, the more we can trust Him. And the more we trust Him, we can walk through the storms of life and not have them shake our peace. Peter says later, 2 Peter 1, 2, 2 Peter 1, 5, for this very reason, the gospel and that God has given us his great and precious promises that through him we might partake what he's given to us. I'm not going into a lot of that. He says, for this make very reason, make every effort to add to or supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and I'll let you go read the rest. But notice it says, make every effort. 
Hope in His grace. Rest in His grace. And root in His grace through His Word. And the more that is true in your heart and life, the more you will see that you walk in more peace through the difficulties of this life. You're in the boat with Jesus, therefore the storm is not as scary as it would be otherwise. Let me ask you a question. I'll close. And this kind of relates to the last sermon. Are you fighting for faith and peace? Or here's what we do. We think the Christian life is, you ever been on a lazy river? You get on a float and the current just takes you around, right? We treat the Christian life like a lazy river a lot of times where we just want to lay back, let go and let God and let it take us on down the line. There's a problem. That lazy river leads to a waterfall of trouble. Are you just drifting along and wondering why you don't have peace? Or are you actively rooting yourself in His grace, in His Word, and knowing the peace that is yours? Because the good news is true. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified or made right with God through faith in Him. And that's all a gift to us so that in verse 2 it said in Romans 5, we stand in grace and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And later we rejoice in our troubles because we know He's with us in making them make us like Christ. The better I know His grace, the better I'm rooted in Christ through His Word, know who He is, who He is for me, the more I'll walk in that peace that we desire, we all desire to have. See, we have the true and lasting peace that matters, and that's the objective peace with God through the Prince of Peace. And He has purchased more than that for us. He's purchased this subjective or feeling of peace for us as we take seriously where He has put it through means and try to walk in it. But Jesus is the only unchanging foundation for walking in peace. See, it's not that we don't care about the lesser things. We just don't trust them. They can't sustain our souls. We root ourselves in the good news that the war is over, that we have an everlasting peace with God. We are reconciled. We are justified. Get to know your God and His grace if you want to walk in the peace He has purchased for you. Jesus brought us peace as He was born, and He will perfect that peace again as He comes again. He is the true God. And eternal life. Grace and peace to you. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord. And our Prince of Peace. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord I pray. Those of us who are trusting in you. But are sort of on. Sort of a lazy river. Help us to get out of that. Help us to know that. uh, We need to know you. That we, have, we need to know our treasures in Christ. We need to know that salvation is a free gift and rest there. We need to know that all of our sins are dealt with and rest there. That we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ and we can rest there. That that, that free gift of salvation is received by faith alone. And we can rest in you. We've been reconciled to you. We've been saved, delivered, forgiven, pardoned, credited. With the righteousness of Christ. We are rich. We're in union. We're hidden in Christ. We are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2. And when you come again. We will be like you. Glorified. Perfectly at peace from then on. In life in new heavens and the new earth. Help us to trust you. Help us to rest in you. And Lord help us to proclaim you. 
as our hope, as our peace, coming weeks, as our joy, as our first love. The Son of God, our Savior, who came to save us and will finish that work. So, Lord, I pray for those who are listening to me now and maybe they don't know they're not trusting you or maybe they do. They're waiting like I did when I was young. I'll have time for that when I'm older. That's just presumption. I pray that they wouldn't take another breath, that they wouldn't take another step until they repent and turn and trust in Jesus. Lord, those of us who are trusting in you, help us to walk in gratitude and thankfulness and faith and peace and help us to be seeking to grow in your grace in the way that you have told us to grow, which is through your word. As you said, the Lord, Je Lord Jesus Christ, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Help us to believe you. We get lazy. We get lazy and we get in. We, we're out of your word. We're not spending. We're not close to you. And then things start to fall apart and we are wondering why. And we've walked away from you. You haven't walked away from us, but you never give up on us. You call us back. You draw us back. So help us to trust in you and rest in you and pursue you in your word and grow in grace and know the peace that you have purchased for us, even in the midst of the trials of this difficult life. Lord, have mercy on us. We are prone to wonder. Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. Thank you that you never give up on us. Help us to rest in the salvation that is ours in Christ. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.